from aisle three of the Vernon Hills Party City in Vernon Hills, welcome to the 50th episode of So There, a show that is So There, with Gary Doyle and Tom Karamitis, or Tom Karamitis and Gary Doyle. It's So There, So There. Welcome to episode 50 of So There. <laughs> I'm Tom Karamitis. Yes, I'm Gary Doyle. Um, and our, our, our intro for this very special episode is done by the legendary Pete Stacker. Legendary voiceover. Voice of uh, Budweiser, Real Men of Genius. Uh, voice of more commercials than anybody can count. Uh, SNL uh, promos, uh, a, a true legend, Pete Stacker, and uh, and a special edition of music by the great Chris Plantsker. Chris Plantsker, uh, composer extraordinaire, or as he calls himself, the our corporate court composer, Chris Plantsker. Chris, who reimagined. The So There Love theme for this very special 50th episode. The Big 5 0, as we like to call it. It's the Big 5 0. There'll be many mentions today of the Big 5 0 because it is a very significant milestone for So There. Judging by the number of arguments Gary and I had over the years with the pod, we. We didn't think we'd make it much past episode five, much less five zero. What's greater, Tom, the number of episodes we've done or our number of listeners? <laughs> well, in this case, they both start with a five, but the number of listeners doesn't have the zero after it, is my guess. <laughs> <coughs> okay, I see what you did there. All right, so uh, <clears throat> what's on your mind today? Well, um, I'd like I, I would like to, to, to thank our, our, our host today, Gary and I, for this very special episode, our sequestered uh, in the back aisle three 
of the Party City in Vernon Hills, Illinois. We just thought uh, this was a party. This is a very significant event. And the only place that would allow us that had kind of a party atmosphere was the Vernon Hills Party City, aisle three. Aisle three were, were toward the back of the, uh, of the, of the wig section. I'm trying it's on a Prince Valiant <laughs> wig as we speak. Uh, but I can't, the, I can't do, I, I can't do that with too much of the merchandise because the manager might eject us. <laughs> We're also in the helium slash mylar section of the party city. A lot yes, of, a lot of party balloons. Yeah, there's, there's, there's one in the shape of a, of a rhinoceros. <laughs> Ma'am, um, the the party masks are in over aisle four. That's the next one over. Yes, thanks. Anyway, I'm sorry about that. We're trying to help out as best we can. Do any of these people know this is our 50th podcast, Tom? <laughs> they don't seem very festive. <laughs> they don't seem like they're partying, which is ironic because they're in Party City. <laughs> well, my guess is there's going to be so much buzz in Vernon Hills in the next 45 minutes or so that uh, it'll be SRO, as they say. Standing room only. Very soon. That's because That's because it's the big 5-0. It's the big final. So, Tom, um, I was recently a judge on a prestigious award show called the AICP Award. You, you might know what this stands for. I'm not even sure what it stands for. The American is the associate what Association of Indian Com- Independent Commercial Producers. Association of Independent Commercial Producers. I should know what it stands for because I was a judge in it. But I was the judge. I was a judge in the AICPs. And I have a few observations from this. So I, my, my, my category was best campaign, best commercial broadcast campaign. And, uh, you know, most, most of the ads weren't very good. I, I didn't know why they entered them in the award show. They weren't very good. You know, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was astounded. I reminded again how, you know, how the best, the best campaigns were like Allstate and Geico and Progressive, all insurance ads. And I just wondered when did insurance ads become so great? It's just so odd. Growing up, it was just a a, a tired, terrible category, but now it's just become this incredible category. But um. You know, there were some uh, self-indulgent three-minute films, which are the worst when you're judging an award show. to have to sit through a three-minute film. And uh, and there were two di- there were two directors named Baron, one named Fabian Baron. And it even said at the beginning of his three-minute film, it said a Fabian Baron production. <laughs> and then and then there was another, I think another director named Baron von Rothschild. Those are some observations from my AICP judging. My guess is Baron von Rothschild was not born in, say, Dublin, Ohio. It's just a guess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, or Fabian Baron. Yeah. Or Nigel. That's another name you never hear in this country. <laughs> well, exactly. do you think the thing with, uh, you think insurance has just become... They, they've become like some of the biggest spenders 
on network television. You know, and they're, oh, yeah. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah, progressive is uh, yeah all over the place. You're right. <clears throat> Huge spenders, and uh, yeah, I think their their goal is mostly to have you remember their name. But uh, but yeah, huge huge spenders. But uh, but but very good very good work. <clears throat> I know you're not a huge fan of the new Allstate work, but I, I think it's pretty pretty good. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Tell me what you uh, did, what you like about the Allstate campaign. Well, it's the mayhem work. Uh, oh, okay, that, uh, okay. Yeah, that they Burnett lost the account, and then the, whoever's oh, it's probably think it's. Whoever's doing it for them, I don't know if it's Allstate's in-house agency or some other agency, but they've picked up Mayhem again. Yeah, and I think they do. Seventy-two and Sunny, I thought. Seventy, yeah, and I think they do it well. You know, I think they do it well. They do Mayhem well. Um, so yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't understand uh, the other stuff Allstate's doing. Um, the little goldfish bowl on the top of the car balancing, or the woman who's backing her car into a parallel parking space for 30 seconds i i i don't there's there's attitude in those spots that i don't quite really i, I know I, don't, I sense they're just not speaking to me that's all but i don't really understand what it is they're trying to tell me hmm. i always i envision the pitch for those i always and when i watch ads i envision the pitch for the ads and i think what the agency said to Allstate was you know we live in an age of storytelling it's all about storytelling. And so for Allstate, we want to tell stories. We want to tell stories of safe drivers who drive around with fish bowls in the top of their cars. and Because uh, it's all about storytelling. Well, Gary, it is the Big Five O. It's the Big Five O. So I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to bring on a little installment of what I like to call uh, You're Welcome. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to uh, kind of give you something that I think you'll, uh, you, will, you will appreciate and I'm sure you'll have an opinion on because it involves one of your favorite spokespersons and that is Lily from AT&T. I have an idea for AT and T. I love to ask Lily. You, I, love I know Lily. you do. I know you love Lily. I don't, this idea it doesn't really. It's more of a kind of a promotional thing. I don't know if it really involves Lily, but knowing your devotion to her, I'm sure you'll come up with a way to kind of get her involved in the idea. Here's my idea. You ready? You focused? Yeah. I think AT and T should um, sponsor. Every golf tournament on the PGA Tour, but they should only sponsor the final tee, the 18th tee. Get it? The 18th tee sponsored by AT&T. <laughs> Think about that for a second. I mean, they could also do the first tee or no, the no, no. tee or the 12th. No, no, no. AT&T. 18th T. They, they they sound exactly the same. Hmm. Okay. All right. Following me there? Wow. Wow, Tom. No wonder you call your segment you're welcome. Well, I thought I, I was saving that for since it is the big 50. It's the big 50. 
Don't you think that's good? Don't you think somebody at AT&T, a golfer at AT&T, must have already thought of that? I don't know. Maybe not. You know, it's uh, sometimes the, the best ideas are the most obvious ones, Tom. Right. And I have to say that is quite obvious. <laughs> but it's sticky. Don't you think it's sticky? <laughs> it kind of gets in you, doesn't it? <laughs> Whatever you say. So there. I wanted to talk about something that I've noticed lately that I'm sure you have too, Tom. I'm sure many people have, and that is the phenomenon of terrible songs that get stuck in your head and take up space in your head for absolutely no reason. They just worm their way in there for no reason they're not even new songs maybe not even songs you've heard recently on you know the radio or Spotify or whatever but they just and they're never they're never good songs that lodge themselves in your head they're always almost always terrible ones and then they they inexplicably enter and then lodge themselves there for a few days like I'll give you an example what a song that's been going through my head the last few days is Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. I don't like I don't like Starship. <laughs> I don't like this song, but it has uh it has gotten inside my head. Another is um, just recently is um, uh, the the Doors song "People Are Strange." People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. That's a good song. People are strange. <laughs> When you're a stranger, it's not a good song. It's an odd song and a weird song. And you don't think it's a cry for help? Women <laughs> seem wicked when you're unwanted. Oh, oh, for sure, uh, definitely. But it's—I wouldn't call it a good song. And, uh, and and then the last song that that's been lodged in my head lately <laughs> is "Ride Like the Wind" by Christopher Cross. with you there that's a terrible song uh with the mouth trumpet christopher cross had one middling hit with uh, uh sailing remember yes. that was wasn't his big hit and then every followed it up with a bunch of really bad attempts yeah yeah innocuous it's innocuous the one that gets in my head a lot is the one that was repurposed for Ozembic. 
Oh, 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 oh Zambic. Zambic. <laughs> that to me, I, I kind of could, I kind of overheard the conversation with the client that was probably like, we want a catchy song, but we can only spend $10,000. <laughs> Oh, 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 Ozembic. Are you sure it's Ozembic? Yeah. Are you sure it's not Ochantix? <laughs> ah, talking about the late and great Ray Liotta. Let's, let's pour one out for Ray Liotta, the world's slowest talker in a commercial for Chantix. I always had a hard time quitting smoking. That's why I tried Chantix. Now, I will say before we close out of the segment, there's one good song, I think outstanding song, that, that has been going through my head lately, is the Hollies. Remember uh, oh, The Air That I Breathe? All oh, yeah. I need is the Great air song. that I... Great song. And and and, the, and what goes through my head as I listen to this odd odd things go through my head when I listen to music and watch commercials. But you know, there's a symphonic part in the middle there. You know, the and I'm listening to that going. That was a real symphony orchestra. There were no synthesizers. They brought in a symphony orchestra, probably the London Philharmonic because they were British. Um, for that, you know, great song, Hollies, yeah. Who was in the Hollies? There was somebody, somebody who uh, was it? Somebody well, Graham, from Graham Nash. Graham Nash. I thought it was somebody from Crosby, Stills and Nash. Yeah, yeah, Graham Nash. Great song. Great song. So uh, there. Quick little palate cleanser for you. Um, uh, I, my, one of my favorite uh, segments lately has been the noun as verb phenomenon we're seeing in this business and I came across another one uh, mm. I just bought a Roomba yesterday by the way and Roomba is now using the, the, uh, the slogan so you can human no I swear to you so no. you can human no <laughs> I didn't make this up I wrote it down as soon as I saw it <laughs> that is nonsensical on its face can I ask you a question though where did the expression side hustle come from that now I'm hearing all over the place? An extra job or an extra way of making money has become a side hustle. I'm seeing it in commercials. I'm, it's all over the place. I'd never heard this expression. That... Had you? Oh, yeah. That's been around for a while. I, I, I don't know where it came from, but I'm irritated by it and I don't like it and I don't approve of it. And I'll tell you why. Because why does it have to be a hustle? You know, why does that have to be a side hustle? You, why can't you just have a side job? Why can't you make a little extra money? Right? Yeah, why because does everything the have to be a hustle in our right. society? A side, it's a side hustle. It's not just a, you know, a moonlighting job or whatever, part-time. No, it's a side hustle. So I, 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 don't, I don't approve, and I don't like that phrase. I don't either, because I think the word hustle uh, elicits the feeling that it's somehow an illicit activity, you know? I'm stealing from my employer on the side. It's a side hustle. Right, and it's also, it plays into, to me, it plays into our, our just nonstop work culture in the U.S. Like, we are, all we do is work. We don't take vacations. We're proud of how hard we work. We boast about, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. 
Oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I worked 60, 70 hours last week. Oh, oh my gosh, I, I'm so busy. You know, it just plays into that. It's like, uh, it's a side hustle. Side hustle. <laughs> it's not a little extra money, a little whatever. Side hustle. It's kind of taken over the vernacular, just like no worries has taken over the vernacular, despite <laughs> all of my attempts to stop it. I was one lonely voice in the woods saying, please don't say no worries. When people say no worries to you, Tom, do you go, I, I, I wasn't worried. But thank you. I wasn't worried about this thing that I just said <laughs> that you're saying no worries to. Yeah, it became a repla- somehow an odd replacement for your welcome. <laughs> you know, I had the, 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 the checkout person at the grocery store when I, when I, I thanked her. You know, thank you. No worries. Well, yeah, I didn't <laughs> think there was a worry involved, but... Glad you feel that way. Um, thank you for, thank you for not, thank you for for saying there's no worries because I was kind of worried. No worries. I was kind of worried about you handing me that receipt at the grocery store for my purchase. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I know it was a lot of effort for you to tear off that receipt from the auto receipt machine and hand it to me. So I. Want to acknowledge the effort that it took? I'm sure it was a supreme effort, and I'm glad you didn't get. I'm glad you're not worried about that anymore. So you're not going to be changing your stinger from from your welcome to no worries anytime <laughs> soon. Maybe I will. Since it's another way of saying you're welcome. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that just for the big five zero. It's the big five zero. I would say, speaking of, of, of bad taglines, like the one I gave you for room, from Roomba, uh, Audi has now got, got one that says, uh, their new tagline is, future is an attitude. Is, well, that's, that's undeniable. What do you no, think I'm of joking. that one? I'm joking, I'm joking. It's not <laughs> undeniable. It's, it's less inane than, um, what, what was Roomba? This is how we human? Yeah. Or, or, uh, I, got, yeah. I got that a little wrong, didn't I? No, so you, Roomba, so you can human. So you can human. No, it, it's less, it's slightly less inane, but I don't think of the future as having an attitude. I think of the future as just progress and, you know, uh, uh, things that we can't envision. And, you know, perhaps it will be good, perhaps it will be bad, but I, I don't think of the future as having an attitude. Well, the line was future is an attitude, not has future is an attitude which didn't make any sense to me it's a thin line between is and has isn't it though I actually think has makes a little more sense than is future is something that hasn't occurred yet why is it no if you say the future is attitude that it is occurring I don't understand explain future is an attitude the future the future is an attitude. It means that it is happening right now. It is an attitude. Even though the future hasn't happened yet. Which renders the line inane. Also, on that level, do you know what I mean? That's the where I get confused. The future is an attitude. We won't know that it's an attitude until it's here. Right. Interesting. You know, Tom, you kind of uh, stole my thunder about inane taglines. I was going to 
put this under a category of, of something where if I were the king of the world and I could decide whatever I wanted to decide, uh, you know, it's something we call I decree. I was going to decree if I was the king. Uh, similar to what you're saying, Tom, that advertisers stop this irritating habit of altering the grammar of words. You know, so I've talked about family greatly as a tagline, I think, for Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, where your family's been turned into a verb. Uh, it's, it's irritating. But I, I saw on a I saw on a billboard the other day this gem for uh, RCN. It's an internet company. I don't know if you've heard of them. RCN. Yeah. Their tagline is, We are astound. Wait. We are astound? We are astound. Not astounding. <laughs> you know, we are astounding like a, a quarterback is astounding right. or a home run. No. We are astound. I'm trying That's to think. That's their tagline for yeah. RCN. It's yeah, it's it's the improper. It's not. A, it's uh, yeah. It's using astound as a noun. We are this. We are astound versus the verb that it is. Plus the fact that the word astound is hardly ever used without the ing at the end. You know, it's ast- well. I guess you could say. I think you should astound me. Right as a verb. Of course. We are well, I, astound. We are astound. Uh, and, 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 and ironically, and this isn't quite as egregious, but uh, in Xfinity, the kind of competitor to them, internet company, um, cable provider, their tagline is the future of awesome. The future of awesome. I, I at least get that one, though. I mean, what are you suggesting it should be the future is awesome? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's also a tagline that begs for ridicule. Like, if you actually are an Xfinity customer. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's not so awesome. It's a little bit of overpromise, I guess, is what I'm saying. Do you not have you an know? Xfinity? I actually have AT&T U-verse. Okay. Xfinity 18th, has much faster. 18th, 18th T. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're going to start talking about how fast Xfinity is? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I have been very happy with Xfinity. I, I would say for me, it, it has kind of redefined awesome for me. So in some ways, I look forward to it being the future of awesome. Fine, Tom. Well, I would like to decree once again that advertisers shall not alter the grammar of words. Um, so there, on the big five zero. I'd like to stay on the uh, the whole marketing thing as we celebrate the big five zero. It's the big five zero. Um, have you noticed that uh, Weight Watchers has become WW? 
Much in the way years ago, Kentucky Fried Chicken became KFC. I understood that rationale because they wanted to get rid of the word fried in people's association. But Weight Watchers has taken basically three syllables and turned it into six. WW. Will anyone actually say WW? Right? Isn't the idea to go to something shorter when you, when you do that? Kentucky Fried Chicken goes to KFC. I got it. But who's going to say... I'm not going to Weight Watchers. I'm going to WW. That is a real tongue twister. You're right. Wow. And also... They, bank, they, they never banked on anybody actually saying it out loud. I think what happened is the designer showed them some logos and the symmetry of the two Ws, and they're like, look how cool and futuristic this is. The future of astound. And they all, they all, they all high-fived each other. But, and then said, great, we're WW, but nobody actually said it out loud. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think probably what happened was they decided we want to become more, uh, more associated with, with, with lifestyle and health and stuff and not kind of dwelling on the fact that it's for people who need to lose weight, right? But still, to your point... Um, you know, are they expecting? I, I, I sense from their commercials they don't want, they don't even mention Weight Watchers anymore. So they don't want the Weight Watchers name to be out there anymore. So, you know, by default, WW. I mean, much to the same reason. I, I have you noticed that um, Angie's List, which is that uh, popular home improvement uh, site you go to when you need recommendations on plumbers, their 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 whole campaign now is they want to move to just Angie. Right from Angie's list to Angie, which I think to me is a, is an awful idea. Right, um, I might say you know let's check Angie's list to find a new plumber, but am I really going to say, hey honey, let's 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 ask Angie? Does, does Tom, any- I think I think the gambit here is that that marketers realize I think rightfully so that people either don't like to read struggle to read or can't read at all so the less words like you turn Weight Watchers into WW you turn Angie's List into Angie you turn Kentucky Fried Chicken into KFC you turn Gatorade into G right they have G on there the less you give people to actually read I think I can see the I can see the uh, uh, the logic so there <laughs> Excellent analysis on the Big Five O. It's the Big Five O. Uh, Tom, a lot of people are riding the train back downtown now because the offices are open or starting to open. And so I thought I would revisit as a service to our train riding listeners. Um, uh, train ride gambits to avoid paying for a ticket to avoid paying for a ride and I just want to say in advance I know you think some of our listeners probably think this is lawless I think Metra in general is such a kind of a hopeless backward organization that that I don't have any uh, I don't have it on my conscience and I'm trying to get a free ride off of them but I would like to outline a few train a, a few gambits to avoid paying for a ride on a metro train, it's something that 
I call lightning round. Lightning round! Okay, very quickly, the first one I call the head down maneuver. So, conductor comes by and you keep your head down and you pretend like you're working on your laptop. You're just tapping away furiously, working on something really important, really important script or something. Head down maneuver. They just kind of think you're working and don't bother you. That's gambit number one. Uh, gambit number two, frantically searching for the ticket maneuver. So the conductor comes by and they wait for your ticket and you kind of search all through your bag even though you have one in your pocket. You're like, oh, and you do this big pantomime. But I can't find it. Oh my gosh, I, I don't know where... And you just keep on searching and searching, and finally they they move on. Um, the third maneuver is the, I call it the hanging chad maneuver. So remember the ballots in Florida with the hanging chad that they couldn't tell if it was punched or not. So this is all pertains to 10 ride tickets. Uh, Tom Carminus is, lives in the future. He uses their app. But uh, sometimes they don't quite punch the ticket all the way. And so what you do is you replace the punched hole with the chad. And that fools them sometimes. So a few train ride gambits, uh, refusing to pay for tickets gambits. Although I, I will not resort to the, the hiding in the restroom maneuver, um, which is also a maneuver, or the even more uh, desperate maneuver of hiding on the top shelf of the upper level, like actually climbing onto the top shelf and hiding where they store the bags. I'm going to say... My bride, Lisa, actually did that when she was in high school. Why would she uh, hide on the shelf as opposed to on the upper level lying on the floor? Because there is that shelf for your feet. You could be underneath that. I don't know. Perhaps a little. It's a, the floor is a little dirtier. Tom, why do you think the people pull the Shroud of Turin maneuver on the upper shelf? Because it's clean and it's a tidy, clean place to place their coat. I will say, and the only one of those maneuvers I have actually also done back in the days when I had a paper ticket was, in fact, repairing the hanging chad. You know, if they had a dull blade on their little hole puncher and most of the thing they punched out was still intact, you kind of (laughs) still... It was like it became like a bit of an arts and crafts project. You know, you smoothed it over with your nail, you know. It's true. It's true. (laughs) You press it with both sides, press it together like knee press on nails and you just make it look perfect but here's my question for you are you, you my guess is you ride when you go in in the morning you ride the same train most mornings that you do go in so aren't you getting the same conductor and are you doing the attempting these gambits every single time you go in or is it just occasionally oh no of course not no occasionally um no not every time and especially now i've got so many tickets that i've not used from when we were home for the pandemic for two years and so I've, I've got a stockpile of tickets I haven't used and that are expired by the way I hope Metro doesn't notice that they're actually expired about two years ago but no I don't I don't need to resort to that because I've got a healthy stockpile of tickets what, what percentage of the time would you say your gambit is successful I'd say a good no 10-15% of the time Do you feel anxiety when you're about to attempt the gambit? Or do you ever feel a little bit like, you know, you don't know how the conductor is going to react. He could have you escorted from the train for non-payment if you wanted to. 
Yes, I on on I'd say in order of anxiety, the least anxiety I feel is the head down maneuver because it's legit. I'm just it looks like I'm working and I'm just clueless about I'm standing there. The second one is the the uh, hanging Chad maneuver because he could look at it and go, "Come on, right? I know what you're doing here." And then the third one is where you're frantically going through your bag because that requires a lot of acting and a lot of salesmanship to sell that. Do you? How do you decide? How do you decide which gambit to attempt? Is it basically your mood that day, or how much energy you've got, or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have to have a hanging Chad ticket to pull that one off. That gambit, but uh, the other two, yeah, it just depends. You know, the easiest is the head down maneuver, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yes, and then you're hoping that the the conductor is so overwhelmed with the sheer volume of people that you you just kind of fade into the into into the background with all the other head down people. But is right. Gary Doyle so this aware? Is my yeah. Is Gary Doyle aware? And I know you have disdain for the the app on the phone. But are you aware that on the app there is a fare that is not available at the ticket booth? You can only get it on the app. You're you're rolling your eyes, I know. (laughs) But it's called the Day Pass, all right? And it's $10 a day, which comes out a lot cheaper than what you're paying on your 10-ride pass, which I believe is about $7.50 per ride per day. So you're going from $15 a day on your 10-ride to $10 on your Day Pass. I don't disdain that as much as... I'm always reminded of that Simon and Garfunkel lyric. It's laughter and loving my disdain. <laughs> reminds, I me think Tom Karamidas, reminds me of Tom Karamidas for some reason. Isn't that it? It's laughter and loving I disdain. Yes, it is. But I also think... I am a Do- rock. Yes, you are an island. I also think you're more interested in cheating Metra than saving money. I think there's a little bit more of... I think your motivation is a little bit more vindictive and vengeful than just trying to save a buck here and there. I I think that. Perhaps, but whatever my motivations, I hope that you, the listener, have learned a little something in this segment on The Big 5-0. It's The Big 5-0. Have you ever noticed, uh, uh, whenever they show doctors in commercials, right, the doctor always has the stethoscope. It, it is so tired to me that you have to have a stethoscope around a doctor's neck to know it's a doctor. Do they have to like be ready to listen to a heart at any given moment in the day? Is that why they have to be armed with the stethoscope? I understood it in the 1960s, but I'm still like I'm seeing commercials for Northwestern Hospital and all these other hospitals, and they have the heroic doctor pose. You know, <laughs> they all look like they're a bunch of superheroes, and there's always a doctor with a stethoscope. The time to me, I think we should retire. Even the if he's a podiatrist, <laughs> exactly, or, or a dermatologist, I think the stethoscope pose needs to go the way of the fax number on your business card. And frankly, I think your business card is also needs to go away. But first things first, the stethoscope. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> advertisers need shorthand to tell you who people are. I remember I. <laughs> I had a boss at Burnett once who would who would get enraged whenever he heard a dad call his son son in a commercial because no dad ever calls himself son. 
Son, I'm really enjoying this fishing outing we're having right now. No dad in the history of dads has ever said, Son? Son, you feel like some cornflakes this morning? <laughs> or a corn dog? <laughs> Have you noticed, uh, I don't, how do you feel about when you watch a, uh, a big You're starting sport- to sound like Larry King. Remember Larry King's old, old newspaper column for USA Today? It was just a string of... <laughs> it was just a string of, you know... <laughs> Unrelated thoughts. Yes. That's so there. Why do people walk up up escalators and stand on down escalators? <laughs> I like peanuts on ice cream. <laughs> Albany's a lovely city for a week. <laughs> you're like you're like the new Larry King. <laughs> Fine, I won't do my next one then. <laughs> it doesn't relate to anything, but I thought it was interesting. All right. No, I'll remember, remember, remember when we when we envisioned this fiftieth podcast or what we're calling it, the Big Five O. It's the Big Five O. How we uh, <laughs> we are we are thinking it might be like the Jerry Lewis telethon where we just went on and on, <laughs> just trying to fill just trying to fill up space for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, we had we had some grandiose plans to start with, and now we're in aisle three of the party city in Vernon Hills. So, how the mighty have fallen. I was just saying the crowds are getting a little bit thinner now as we approach lunchtime. Perhaps the Party City customers are heading to Starbucks, Starbucks (laughs) and Panera for their for their lunch. But they'll come back and party after lunch, maybe. They always do. It is called Party City. Has Gary Doyle noticed uh, that whenever there's a big sporting event? It could be the Super Bowl, it could be the, the Masters or whatever. The networks have fallen in love with these overblown, pompous visual essays at the beginning of the broadcast, you know, where they get all artsy and they write this kind of pseudo-inspirational copy. Um, could these things be more self-important? Does anybody really even care about these things or remember them? I, I just find, I just mutter to myself, get over yourselves, let's just, just show me the damn event. But I mean, you know, the... You know, you know what I'm talking about. They do it for everything now, and they'll oh, yeah. they'll get Jim Nance or somebody to read some some intern wrote this kind of copy that they thought was genius, and it's just you know enough. Yeah, well, it's kind of like why the advertising industry likes to do 60 second anthem spots. Tom, it gives you a chance to to write a lot of copy and just wax lyrical <laughs> on and on and on about something. <laughs> <laughs> there was a good one though I will say you probably didn't watch it I don't think you're a big college basketball fan but before the final the NCAA tournament final which Duke was in um, I think Duke was in Mike Krzyzewski retired and they did one of those for Mike Krzyzewski but what they did was kind of clever they he, he sat it at, at, in the middle of a center court of an arena I think it was Duke's arena it was nobody's there it was dark and they wheeled out this huge 
video screen. And they played the film to him, apparently for the first time, sitting there watching it. And so a lot of it was a tribute from players and other coaches and NBA players and so forth. And I, it seemed like he'd been seeing it for the first time. And so they, it was the film that was a tribute, but also his reaction to it, which was good, I thought. Yeah, I, that, that that to me, I I, I like that idea because that's seeing that's that's a, a, a tribute and there's a reason for it. That it's not just some cliched film that starts with like you know, you know, uh, uh, kind of misty morning dew over the green. Somebody putting a new hole in the green, you know, lovingly raking a sand trap. A shot of slow motion shot of Tiger Woods staring into the distance, and Jim Nance, you know doing his best Robert Louis Stevenson, you know? Tom, would you hate these tributes as much if someone one day did a tribute like that for So There? If someone put together a four-minute film about So There, it could show slow-motion shots of us struggling to set up the equipment (laughs) before it starts. (laughs) Gary Doyle never remembering how this all works, even though... It's our 50th episode. Where are my damn headphones? <laughs> it could be all that kind of thing set to a soaring piece of music. Us, us squabbling and the trying to figure out what the episode will be, squabbling about things and lots of bitter recriminations and arguments. That would make an excellent tribute film. <laughs> That'll be our that'll be our final episode, which I guess is going to be episode fifty-one. <laughs> we call that mouth trumpet. And a special one at that on the big five-zero. It's the big, big, big five All right, I'm looking through my... Oh, I have one <laughs> another thing for oh you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tom, the, the customers of Party City in Vernon Hills are starting to crowd around us <laughs> to ask us why we're still here. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll enjoy this. Do you remember when you were going on and on about how you hated the term prevent defense? Right. Where did <laughs> that come prevent, from? Yeah. Instead of, of prevent, the, like, yeah. Everybody, like you say in every other context of that word. Yeah. Yes. Prevent. All right. Well, let me ask you this. When you go to the grocery store, what section do you go to if you need some fresh broccoli? Produce. Ding, ding, ding. That's not quite the same. Why? Produce. Why? I got to go to the produce <laughs> section. Why is it not the same thing? You might say that if you're from Alabama. I got to go to the produce section. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it not the same thing? I think it's exactly the same thing. You just don't like when I have an idea, so you you dismiss it. Well, I think you may be onto something there. Mm -hmm. Produce. Produce. I would invite our listeners who'd like to write into us. You know who you are. Both of you. At so there, yeah. No, we, there's there's several. At so there at yahoo.com, our email address. 
uh, Yahoo being the finest of all email platforms. If you would like to write us at so there at yahoo.com and let us know why it's called the produce section instead of the produce section, let us know. We also welcome your thoughts on this this episode of the Big Five O. Reminds me, it just hit me Hawaii 5 Yeah. Book em Dan. Book em Dan-o. That song, I actually heard that played on, on, on the 60s channel on Sirius XM. It was, uh, I think, The Ventures or somebody did that. The mm-hmm. one, the same group that did um, uh, the, the, the thing with the, the drum solo, the, you know, the. Ah, oh, what the hell was that song called? Yes, yeah, yeah. what is that called? Wipeout. Yeah, yeah, because that's the only word they go. Yeah. Wipeout. Yeah, the beginning. Do you have flag people in your neighborhood? People who have this elaborate ritual and an enormous uh, collection of flags that they fly different days you know they have the american flag they'll draw they'll fly on you know memorial day they'll have college they'll, they're the college alma maters they'll have the the cubs w flag they'll and this this kind of i i let me just say i have a cubs w flag and i only fly it when they win okay it it it, it enrages me when people have a w flag and they leave it flying all year long no that's not how it's supposed to work you fly the w flag when you win so that's enraging to me. Uh, but yeah, we have a few flag people. Lake, Lake Bluff is more of a sign community. We have a lot of yard signs than flag, but there are some flag people. Just I envision them. There's like we have a couple of our a couple of them in our neighborhood, and they um they just seem to be kind of overly regimented about it. And not to mention the fact that it seems like they have an endless supply of them. Um, you know, they have like uh, I guess two of the people in this family went to schools in the Big Ten, but different schools. And they have a flag that is like a flag with like a diagonal going from the lower left to the top right. And in the two quadrants, they have like the different logos for the like, like whatever, like Indiana and Michigan, you know? So they have all of these custom flags that they have. Um, you know, I just, I'm wondering, you know, do they have like an elaborate, you know, uh, flag rotation schedule they follow? I, I it's a, uh, I don't have a flag mount on my house. Do you have uh, one of those things screwed into your house there? Yes. All right. All right. I just, uh, I don't know. I never understood the whole the whole flag thing. I just. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to fly a flag I, at night, right? Oh, I didn't know that. The American flag, I think they have to take down, is only supposed to be f- flown during daylight hours, I thought. Yeah, I was wondering if the flag people in your town actually fly the American flag, or they just do they just fly their their school flags and their you know don't step on snack flags. We see some of those in Lake Bluff. You ever seen those? Don't step on snack. No. Okay, so this is like a right wing trope. This is like a Trumper trope. Um, it's a it's another way of saying don't tread on me. But for some reason, and this is a little bit of an inside joke, like 
like uh, Let's Go Brandon, I guess. But Don't Step on Snack is kind of a... So we have a couple of those flying around the bluff. And I'm sorry, what is Snack? I don't know. I don't know. It's coded. It's coded, Tom. You need to be in that tribe to understand. I was... um, I tried to have a 40-foot... Sorry, thought made me laugh. I tried to have a 40-foot high flagpole with the Doyle family crest flying from it, embedded in my front lawn, but that was rejected by the village. Did you tell them you were going to fly it as a tribute for the Big 5-0? It's the Big 5-0. I think the flag thing is an extension of the people who like to put those signs out in front, you know, welcome, you know, harvest or whatever. You know, I think there are some people feel greater need to broadcast a message to whoever happens to go by. Whether it's a oh. message of goodwill or an acknowledgement of, 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 of a holiday of some kind. Um, uh, you know, whether it's, it's one of those signs, um, you, know, you know, those political endorsement things that you stick in, the, in your lawn or whatever. Hate has no home here. Yes, exactly. I prefer, I prefer to not advertise in any way uh, out of fear of pissing somebody off. Mm. You know? Not me. Not me. My sign would say, hate has no home here, except for a few selective <laughs> in- individuals. <laughs> then it has a home. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of running down vapors at this point as far as ideas. I don't know why you've only been filibustering for, <laughs> you know, the bill is not going to pass, Tom. <laughs> Fear not. <laughs> let you me have, get up. You have, me... Defeated the, you have defeated the bill. Why don't I just start reading from Green Eggs and Ham? <laughs> well, Tom, um, this has been a, uh, I hope for our listeners an epic episode of the big 50 it's the big 50 for so there we'd like to uh, we'd like to thank again the legendary Pete Stacker um, for providing our special VO intro the equally legendary Chris Plantsker musician extraordinaire for his musical composition at the beginning and the end stick around Till the end of the podcast for Chris's uh, wrap-up piece, as well as our um, extremely talented engineer John Binder and uh, and our art director, uh, designer, South Carolinian Jim Fur. Yes, we are very appreciative for all the contributions that these people have made, considering our. Our operating budget is now essentially zero. So they did it out of the goodness of their hearts, and we appreciate it. So thank you all. Steve, remember when Steve Martin was a huge comedian and he did comedy albums, like in arenas? He had a joke at the end of one of his bits where he'd go, he's in an arena, he goes, 
I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming. Thank you, 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 thank you. I would say I'd like to thank each and every one of our listeners, but that would not take long. That would be about seven thank yous. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the seven of you know who you are, and we appreciate you. That's another thing, by the way. Have you noticed people now are appreciating people? Right, as opposed to, you know, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I get a lot more, I appreciate you, which I think is a, is, is a nice uh, sentiment. That's, that's one of the new verbal tics that I actually do like, as opposed to some of the other ones. I agree. Does Gary I agree. Doyle. I like that too. Does Gary Doyle, when he has a close friend, does Gary Doyle say, I love you? Or does Gary Doyle say, Love ya? Is I love you a little too close to the... No. 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 I say I love you. I don't say I love ya. You know? I don't say I love you, man. That's another cop-out. Man. I love you, man. No, no. Just say I love you. So, if we recorded our final podcast, episode 311... On my deathbed, right? We bring a little mobile recording thing. And the recording's finished. You know, I, I, I powered through it as best I could. As Gary Doyle turns to leave Tom's sick room, does Gary Doyle say, love you, man? Or does Gary Doyle say, I love you, Tom? The latter. You know, ya is always insincere. How are ya? How are ya? Love ya. No, no. Love you. I love you. Not even love you. Love you is not the same. Right? Yeah. Not love you or love ya or I love you, man. I love you. And I think you need to look deeply in that person's eyes as you say it. I think it makes it sincere. I love you. I love you. And then, and then the person says, um, sorry, sir, this is an Arby's. (laughs) 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 Oh, okay. Shall we wrap up? Shall we wrap up the... The telethon? Yes, we're we're folding up our bridge table right now. <laughs> oh yeah, let's let's pick up let's pick up some um, mylar streamers on our way out and a big happy birthday sign that we can stretch across the room because it will be somebody's birthday someday, right? Our birthday's on the same day. Do our listeners know that? One year apart, same day. Um. Yeah, so we could pick up a happy birthday sign, some hats, maybe a Prince Valiant wig on the way out of the party city in Vernon Hills. And until next time, F, thanking you for joining us on this very, very, very special celebration of the Big Five O.
for Gary Doyle. This is Tom Karamaitis saying, So, so there! there.